Hallelujah. We come to our last session together, and we pray that the Lord will give us a good conclusion this morning, okay? Pray for us. Let's begin by turning to John chapter 4, and let's read and enjoy some verses together. We're going to read John 4, 35 to 38. And let's pray read 37 and 38. John chapter 4, and we'll begin with 35 to 38. Okay? Do you not know that there are yet four months, and then the harvest comes? Behold, I tell you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit unto eternal life, in order that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. In this saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I have to reap that for which you have not labored, others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Let's say, uh, let's enjoy beginning with 35. 35 is good. And then 37 and 38. Amen. 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 Do you not say? Oh. Amen. Do you not say? There are yet four months. Oh, there's a lot of time. Amen. Oh, saints, there's no time. There's not four months. And then the harvest comes. Behold, I tell you. Behold. Amen. Amen. Behold. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up. Off yourself. Off your children. Lift up your eyes. Amen. And look. Look. Look on the fields. Amen. Look on the fields, for they are already white. Amen. Not later. Already. Amen. White for harvest. Amen. Look. Look on the fields. Amen. 
For in this the saying is true. Is true. The saying is true. One sows, another reaps. Amen. Another reaps. Another reaps. Hallelujah. Another reaps. I sent you to reap. Amen. 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 Reap that. That for which you have not labored. Amen. Amen. Others have labored. Amen. Others. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Amen. 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 You have entered into their labor. <laughs> These verses show the service in the body. Corporate reaping. Some sow, some reap. But we rejoice together. Hallelujah. Do you remember in Matthew 25... When the Lord gave the talents to his slaves, to one he gave five, to another he gave two, and to the third one he gave one, and he told them to do business. Well, the one with five, he went off and traded, and he quickly got another five. The one who received two went off, and he got another two. And the third one, the one who had received one talent, which is pretty much everyone in this room, they went off and dug a hole and buried it in the earth. And then when the Lord came to give account, have them give account, the one who had buried his talent, he said something interesting. He said, I know that you're a hard man. I know where, that you reap where you didn't sow. And you gather where you didn't winnow. You know, these verses in John 4 answer that problem. You know, the Lord did not disagree. He didn't disagree. He didn't say, wait a minute, I sowed a talent to you. It's like he agreed with that. I do. Yeah, you have to reap where you don't sow. And so here you have a verse that says one man sows and another reaps. And it brings out a very interesting thought. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. This morning we're going to talk about entering into others' labor. For those of us that don't know how to serve in the church, the ones that have been 
may be guilty of burying our talent a little bit. This morning we're preaching salvation and recovery. We're going to help. You know, others have labored. Others have gone in front of us. Others have given us a pattern. And even others have begun to take steps. And how good we just enter in. Just enter in. We don't have to start from scratch. We don't have to do things all over again. Because we're in the body. And we can benefit from the body. There's a real benefit here. Through fellowship. You know, uh, <clears throat> Brother, Lee, uh, Brother Nee in a talk said this. In his, uh, the resumption of his ministry time. He said... Why is there the leading in the body? And uh, he went on to say something like this, that you could stumble around for 10 years in your Christian life and never get through in a certain matter. And we know that as Christians, how much we stumbled around trying to grope our way in the Christian life. He went on to say this. He said, but in one evening of fellowship... You can get the answer. And that the fellowship, the leading in the body, is for us to cut down mistakes and to shorten our journey. Saints, we don't have a lot of time. We're already on our way. In fact, maybe to our feeling, we've already lost, wasted some time. But now we take the leading in the body... I hope you can be impressed with this. It'll shorten our journey and it cuts down mistakes. He said, if we would take the authority of in the body, we, we could quickly reach the goal. Imagine this in one evening of fellowship, you can get through in something that takes more than 10 years of groping to get through. And that that's because of fellowship. Actually, it's the ministry that does this for us. The ministry answers the questions. It solves the problems. It provides the leading. And uh, we just enter in. We just enter in. So this morning, I'd like to have some fellowship with you about entering in. Okay? The title of this outline is called Building Up a Prevailing Children's Work in the Church. Building up a prevailing children's work in the church. That word prevailing has given me a lot of trouble. Uh, I don't know what a prevailing children's work looks like. Perhaps 10,000 children in your children's work could be constituted as a prevailing children's work. Roman 1 says, we expect the children's work among us to be very prevailing. Therefore, we need to have a proper realization and preparation for this work. How can we build up? Let's, Let's coordinate this morning, okay? How can we build up a prevailing children's work in Europe, in Germany? In the UK, in France, Italy, Russia, Moscow, 
prevailing children's work. How does it happen? How does it come about? You know, when the Lord created Adam, he began with one. Just one. Today on the earth, I don't know how many billion people there are. But it's prevailing. <laughs> After he made that one, Genesis one twenty eight, it says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Saints, we need the Lord's blessing. We need him to bless us. We have to ask for this. Lord, bless this. Bless this word. Bless this week of meetings. Bless what you've put in our heart. How we depend on your blessing. The disciples brought five loaves and two fishes to the Lord. They went into the Lord's hand. He stood on the ground and he looked up into heaven because he realized and he wanted to testify that he was not the source. God is the source. And he was looking to the source, the sender, for blessing. When we go back to our places, this should be our prayer. There's just two of us. Lord, there's just five of us. How we need your blessing. We always calculate according to our strength, our capacity, our time. What can I do? Well, I can, I can do this and I can do that. And it adds up to about this much. It's commensurate to what we can put out. But when you have the Lord's blessing, it is unexpected results. It is unexpected. It's 5,000 were fed with one boy's lunch. That wasn't equal. That wasn't eight hours of effort resulting in eight hours of benefit. That was one person's lunch feeding 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over. When you have the Lord's blessing, you have everything. Amen. Brother Nee said that we all have to be brought by God to this point that we realize that everything depends on his blessing. Don't, maybe already we're thinking, planning, considering, what am I going to do when I go home? What, who am I going to get together with? Well, I hope so. I mean, I hope there's some consideration like this. But I hope that your prayer will be, Lord, we need your blessing. We only have five loaves. We just have two fish. And what is this with such a great need, with such a great need? Two times in that message, Brother Nee said this. He said, we need to be brought by God to this point in our service to him that everything depends on his blessing. You know what that means? That means we are nothing and he is everything. We come with nothing and he does everything. So our coming together for something to be prevailing I think feeding 5,000 people with one boy's lunch could be considered prevailing, don't you? (laughs) 
So when we talk about building up a prevailing children's work in the church, don't forget this point. In Genesis 1.28, it said, and God blessed them. Blessed them. That's everything. In our work for the Lord, in our service to him, never count your strength, count your ability, your capacity, your money. Don't count that. Only count what he could bless. And so that means that we have to be in a condition that would invite the Lord's blessing. There's some things about us that makes it very hard for the Lord to bless. If we're in ourself, our self-consciousness, our self-effort, in our natural life, very hard for the Lord to bless it. If he blesses it, then you're going to think you did it. You're going to think it was all you. Remember the battle with Gideon? Gideon and his 300? 32,000 came forth to fight. The Lord said, too many. If you're scared, go home. This morning, if you're scared, go home. (laughs) And there was 10,000 left. Then the Lord said, okay, still too many. You're going to think it's you. I'm going to win this battle. There's no question about that. But the problem is I I don't trust you. You're going to think you did it. And you're going to become proud. So he said, still too many. And then he brought them. He tested them, bringing them to the water to have them drink, to watch them, observe how they take water. Water is a necessity for our human existence. How do you deal with necessities? How do you deal with jobs and kids and family and responsibilities? And there was two kinds of drinking. One kind was just indulging. And sure, you're a mom. You have to. You, you see, no one will, will blame you for that. You know, they carried their, their gear on their back. And so these thirsty soldiers, they came down to the brook. They threw off their, their gear. They knelt down and they put their face in the river. They must have been pretty thirsty. And they took water. And the Lord told Gideon, watch them. Others went down. They knelt down, leaving their gear on their back. And they brought the water up to their mouth, indicating that they realized that they were in a war. And at any minute, the enemy could attack them. And they can't get defeated. And so the Lord said, okay, all those threw off their gear, send them home. 300 left. Gideon's a little bit scared. 300. You see... As parents, as the older generation in the Lord's recovery, middle age, young working saints, how we take our jobs, our family life, how much time, effort, energy, heart, how much of our capacity is devoted to that. Yes, it's a responsibility. But the danger is this, is that we indulge to the uttermost taking it as an excuse. 
for us to not be in the church life that much, to not be that available that much. And then when the battle comes, we're watching on the sideline. We're disqualified. And God blessed them. God blessed them. We need a kind of situation that the Lord can bless. But the number one top qualification that invites the Lord's blessing, even invites his commanded blessing, is one accord. One accord. Harmonious, symphonio, one accord. The kind of one accord that's music. Where there's no self, no self-pity, no self-centeredness, no self-opinion. There's just no self. We went to the cross. We went to the cross in a definite way. And when we got hurt, we got a little offended, we went back to the cross. And we stayed there. Because the one accord is everything to us. This is our culture. This is our life. Our life depends on this. And more than that, God's blessing depends on that. Always the problem. A few sisters come together and begin to do something. And not long after that, there's disputes, wounds, hurts. And pretty soon, they drop off. Saints, this morning, let's, <clears throat> let's see how to build up a prevailing children's work in the church, okay? When we were preparing this outline and these excerpts for this book, <clears throat> this is from chapter 14, if you want to be able to read it and refer to it. We were asking ourselves, well, we had noticed as we were going through all the materials, we noticed that Brother Lee spoke to a, a large a variety of saints when he was talking about doing children's work. Many times, elders would come up, responsible ones, co-workers, sisters, young people, elderly sisters, young sisters, young people. We thought, my. So we asked this question, who? Who? You know, we've, we've covered what? We've covered where? Did you like that last night? About the homes? You know, there's 30 times that word home or house was mentioned on that outline yesterday. We know, now we know where. But to, this morning we want to know who. Okay? Who does this? Who bears this? Upon whose shoulders does this responsibility rest? Amen? Okay. A says, when we speak of the children's work, we are referring to children who have not graduated from elementary school, but are more than five years old. These are the target of our children's work. Okay. The target, very simply, not legally, is five to twelve-ish. Elementary, primary school age. This is when we really work the work 
for those who are four, three, two, one. That's different. But for the context of what we're speaking about here this week, this is the target. This is the target. One of the brothers recently told me, he said, they, they have an idea. I think they, they heard this from somewhere, that they're working with, they're starting with babies, one-year-olds. And I thought, well, you know, that's not what Brother Lee said. Is, is that how you are? I mean, you like, but you know what they're doing? You know, moms with one-year-olds know other moms with one-year-olds. I mean, they're everywhere. They see them in the grocery store. They see them at the park, on the sidewalk out in front of the apartment. And somehow they, they find each other. So they would invite them to their home, the moms and the babies. And this was how they started. And then they, that gave them a chance to have a time with the moms. So the babies became an excuse for the moms to come together. But Bradley didn't say didn't say to do that. Okay, you understand my point. I'm I'm trying to be a little too much. Don't be like that. Don't be legal. But this is what he said. This is the target. Okay, okay. <laughs> point B: The saints can open their homes. Oh, there it is again. Thirty-one for children's meetings. We need many brothers and sisters to open their homes. How beautiful this service will be and how much the Lord's work will be propagated. Amen. Roman 2. Now we get to see the first category of saints who need to serve the children's work. The responsible brothers and the co-workers in every place must what? See the importance of the children's work in God's family. This should be a great matter to us. Okay, it's very hard to break through with a children's work that is prevailing unless it's under the proper headship and covering of the leading brothers. So the brothers, he's urging the co-workers, the elders in every place, you have to see this. I think I can speak on behalf of Brother Lee a little bit, and forgive me if I misspeak. But I'm, I spend time in co-workers' meetings, and I spend time in elders' meetings, and I know that you can, if this whole audience was an audience of co-workers, and Brother Simpson and I were giving these messages to co-workers, they all would respond, more than you, more than you. Amen. Yes, we have to do this. Yes, Our, we have to pour money into this and personnel and we need full-timers and amen. And they'd, they'd, the whole room would be lined up at the mics, strengthening this word. But then they all got on airplanes and they go to other parts of the world and they're giving conferences and they're carrying out work and they forget because there's pr- pressing problems. There's urgent situations. There's needs. Am I, am I right? And they forgot. It's not that it wasn't important. It's not that they didn't see it. It's just hard for the brothers to carry this out. Some of you know I've, I've been coming here for, I don't know how many years I've been speaking these kind of things here. 
and then I go home, and the same thing happens to me. I'm just overwhelmed with problems and conferences and needs, and uh, and so there just isn't the opportunity. So he said, the, the co-workers and the responsible brothers. Okay, now, now the leaving brothers need to know, need to get it. And actually, this is a little harder. And I hope the brothers will forgive me to talk about them like this. But they're like dads in a family. You know, dad is busy with work. He's got a lot on his mind. He's trying to put food on the table and make a living and get that promotion and, and uh, not be late to work. So his mind is somewhere else. And then if he's a good brother, well, as an, as an elder responsible, he should be a good brother. His mind is also with the church and the saints and the prophesying meeting and the prayer meeting and, and uh, the finances and all of these things. And so his wife comes to him and says, Sammy needs a new pair of shoes. And they need to be these special kinds of Air Jordan, $180. And Jakin needs new pants. He fell down and he tore his pants. That's about, I don't know, $50. And, and Johnny over here needs new glasses. I need $500. And he goes, okay, okay, just take care of it. Just take care of it. Is that how it goes in, in your, your family? <laughs> because the moms know what's going on. They know Johnny got a fever. I got to take him to the doctor. It's $100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take him to the doctor. Yeah, take him to the doctor. And because she's taking care of it, he doesn't have to. But she doesn't operate without his covering and without his... Amen. Saints, do you realize that we're in this great family? We're in this wonderful family. So I don't blame the elders and the responsible brothers. Because they have a lot of other things going on. And you can't make them or expect them that they're going to be sitting in that children's meeting class week after week, giving the lessons, leading the singing and doing these things. What he says here is that the brothers have to see it. And the importance of this great work, the children's work in God's family. And I love that. This is family, saints. This is the great family of the Lord's recovery. This should be a great matter to us. A says no family will disregard its children as a priority A family looks after its children, raises them, and teaches them. Hence, we must serve the many children in God's family. This is God's family. You know, when it says no family will disregard its children, we have to be careful that we're too much just for our kids, our kids. We have to look up, lift up our eyes like we pray read. Look on the field. It doesn't mean we disregard our children. We're talking about the great family of the church, the Lord's recovery. At this point in the message, Brother Lee said that our success is going to depend partly on two things. 
the materials, the teaching materials. And we, we need good materials. There's no question about this. I loved the testimony yesterday by Brother Simpson and his wife and how they would take practical situations that was happening right then and make a lesson out of it. They hated that boy. So they gave a lesson on love. They're jumping on the pipes and breaking them. So they have to give a lesson on, I forget, what the, <laughs> don't jump on pipes or something. What's that? Proper function. You see, we can become very skilled like this. We don't, need, we don't need a lesson book. We don't need a curriculum. And we all have a lot of human experience. It's not like we're completely uh, unequipped. We have 30 years of human life or more, 40. And in those 40, 30, 40 years, we've passed through many things. We learned many lessons. Every one of these can be turned into a, a very simple children's lesson. And at the end of this meeting, because he said our success partly depends on the materials, I'm going to put on the board four websites that I know of that have some good materials. And we're not promoting any of them, but we're fellowshipping all of them. Okay? And maybe there's others, too, that we can put up. Let's keep reading. Point B, the co-workers do not need to be personally involved in doing the children's work. They can meet with the leading sisters in a locality and entrust the burden for the children's work to them. And they can encourage them. The elders must lead the church to receive a burden for the children's work. See, this is how, this is the function. The co-workers and the elders are leading the church. Um, to receive a burden. The church should concentrate its effort on this work. Some of these utterances are quite special. This needs a concentrated kind of labor. You know, in the Lord's recovery, for over 20 years, around 20 years, there has been a very strong emphasis on campus work. And I amen that to the uttermost. It's certainly very necessary. And so many places are concentrating their efforts on a campus work. But not all the saints can enter into a kind of campus church life. And you can't make the whole church a campus work church. But every church is full of children. And so this is another area that needs some good, concentrated effort, even equal to the kind of emphasis and concentration that we give to the campus work. Uh, Point D, all the churches must have a children's work. If we work with these children, they will all be young brothers and sisters after six to seven years. All the churches must have a children's work. We put this point in here because it's important and because there's a history that some churches, because it was so troublesome, they stopped their children's work for a period and they just 
told the parents, you take care of the children. You have to raise the children and you have to bring them up. And this sounds right. You know, the children is really the parents' responsibility, first and foremost. It's not the, not the church's responsibility. And so you could say, for all practical purposes, that's right. Give it the burden back to the parents. But what about the increase? You know, what about the neighborhood? What about the children that don't have godly parents? What about the, church, the saints that come into the church life who don't have a knowledge of the Bible or a proper understanding of godly things. You have to do a children's work. And this place, these places that that, that happened after six or seven years, their teenagers really became a real mess. It became a major problem. All of a sudden, now you have teenagers that don't have anything. And because eventually... The church stopped emphasizing this. The family stopped emphasizing this. And by the time those children got into the teenage years, there's a big gap there. It's a big gap. Every local church should have a children's work. All the churches must have a children's work. One of the verses on here is Zechariah 4.10. It says, for who has despised the day of small things? Children's work is the day of small things. Point E, we cannot continue to work as we have in the past. We must change our ways. In the past, we neglected the work with the children. He went on, now we must concentrate our efforts on the children, the young people, and the sisters. When you read this chapter in the book, Brother Lee talks a lot about the sisters. And so I want to talk a lot about the sisters this morning. You grant me the grace. Um, I think there's. I think there might be time. After the turmoil in Taiwan, we talked about this a few times. Everything was messed up. Everything was flat. And the large increase that had been gained in the fifties had drifted off. The way that was taken to gain and keep all that increase was the small groups built up in the 50s in Taiwan. Those became the container, the shepherd's tents, the nest, the church life for all of that increase. And it was in those years so many were trained and perfected and became very useful. Well, after the turmoil... You have to understand the turmoil came in because of the influence of Austin Sparks from England that they had invited to help them with so many new ones. They thought that he could render them some help in the way of life. He was premier. He was preeminent in this matter of the resurrection of Christ. The brothers learned something from him. There was, he had a share in the Lord's recovery. But by this time, First time he came, he rendered a certain amount of help. Two years later, they invited him back. But this time, he expressed his opinion against the ground of locality, the church. And because so many had been helped by him the first time he came, the second time he came, he had quite a loyalty, quite a loyal following. 
So when he began to talk about spirituality, about there's no need for the ground of the church, the practice of the church life like this, it takes too long to explain. What happened was, see, he had, in England, he had a ministry station called Honor Oak. And there was no church. It was just a ministry station. And his burden was just to minister, minister. And he built up a ministry. And he built up a following. Saints, listen, there was no container. There was no practical church life. After he died, it's gone. It's just gone. And so these young brothers, these young ones in Taiwan, under that kind of influence, began to have this kind of aspiration to build up a ministry, to build up a, this kind of spirituality. And so they, they de-emphasized the small groups, the congregation uh, was emphasized subtly or overtly, I'm not sure. But the result was this, all the groups got blown away. No more small groups. Just kind of a congregational kind of church life. Well, when you have a congregation, when you have a big meeting church life, just corporate gatherings like this, look, look on the front row. It's just all brothers. The elders are brothers. They're all sitting on the front. It's, it's, It's kind of the brother's It's where the brothers serve. It's where the brothers take take more lead, take more function. When you have the church life in the homes, that's where the sisters function. That's their domain. And so when the small group stopped, all the sisters went flat. They just went dormant. So when he came back, he had three targets. The children, the young people, the sisters. Recover them. And so at this time, you read these messages again in 1967. You read them. He's fighting for their life. He's trying to get a pulse back. Because they had been dormant for a long time. I feel, and I I come this morning with a little feeling, that I think still in the church life, sisters have a hard time finding their place, knowing what they're supposed to do. Where can I function? Often I hear this, that I, I don't know what my place is. I think even someone shared this in one of our meetings. This is quite common. And it's because we're missing our function. We're not our playground, our gymnasium, our, our field of function is not there. The homes is where we function. It's just a simple illustration. When, <clears throat> when I have a group meeting in my house, the saints come to the door. They walk in the front door. They walk right past me. They go into the kitchen and they hug my wife. I don't know. They didn't, they didn't hug me. 
I'm kind of happy about that. <laughs> but you understand. And when they walk in the house, there's a certain aroma, a certain kind of fragrance that's coming up. And they know where that's coming from. That's also in the kitchen. <laughs> and she creates the atmosphere. And she's a hidden member. She's not like standing on the chair and leading everyone to call on the name of the Lord. But she's just serving, doing what she does. And for a moment, a night, an evening, or she's needed. She's functioning. She's, it's her portion. And she does it very well. Brother Lee was trying to recover a pulse. Come on, sisters. Come back to life. So he was creating opportunities. This, this whole thing with the children's work was two birds with one stone. Get 10,000 children and recover 5,000 sisters. Get 10, maybe not 5,000 sisters, maybe only 2,000. But recover the sisters. Recover their houses. Open up their homes. It's too easy when you're not functioning in the church life. Then you dive into your children, your responsibilities. You find somewhere else to spend your life, your capacity, your heart, your burden. This morning I was reminded of Romans chapter 16. When Paul is giving the greetings at the end of his epistle to the Romans, he names a a number of sisters. And I like this. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 of chapter 16. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister. Can you believe this? The chapter starts with a sister. Who is a deaconess of the church which is in Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. That means a certain amount of dignity needs to be assigned to this sister. And assist her in whatever matter she may have need of you. Help her. She's functioning. She's serving. She might need some help. She might need some support. For she herself has also been the patroness of many, of myself as well. This patroness, this word patroness, means protectress. She was like, uh, uh, she's like a mama, like a mama bear. She, all her cubs. And Paul testified that even he was under her protection. Paul appreciated the function of this sister. She just served, a deaconess, a serving one in the church. Then the next one, verse 3 and 4, greet Prisca and Aquila. Shouldn't you, when you're writing the Bible, shouldn't you name the brother first? Come on. Shouldn't have been Aquila and Priscilla or Prisca. Greet Prisca. And Aquila, 
my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life. This is so personal to Paul. The function of these sisters. The, you know, there's no way Aquila could open his home if Prisca wasn't right there, cooking, supporting, providing. You know, sometimes we ask the sisters to release their husbands, to serve, to function, to be available. This morning, I, I, I don't have that kind of feeling. My feeling is just like this. The role, the function of the sisters is so, so crucial. Sometimes my wife, and you can't tell her I said this, okay? <clears throat> she, she doesn't know what her function is. She doesn't know what her role is. But there's no way I can do what I do if I did not have her support. For years, traveling here, there, she worries about me. I'm gone maybe up to half the year. She's home. I'll testify on her behalf. She never one time complained to me about being gone so much. She never one time asked me not to go. She understood what I do. I come to Poland. She worries about me. I got to bed last night at 12.30. I got up this morning at 5.50. You do that for six or seven days. When I was young, no problem. Now, little problem. I said, look, look what came out. So many things out of Poland, our labor coming here. And she said, but that that was you. You can't tell her I'm telling you this, okay? (laughs) She said, that was you. And I thought, my, you, you don't get it. I can't do this without you. There's just no way I could do this. If I knew that you were home and, and unhappy or sad or mad or suffering, I couldn't stand here. I couldn't do this. <clears throat> you don't know how much I appreciate that vessel that the Lord gave me. Amen. I didn't know it. I didn't know it 45 years ago when I married her. But I sure know it now. Maybe this is too personal. Sisters, we have to come back. We have to come back to the church life. We have to recover our portion, recover our function. We can't die on the sidelines. Don't don't say this is a a man's world, a, a brother's church and you're just tagging along you're in the in the caboose somewhere sitting in the chair facing the wrong direction no we have to recover our function verse 6 greet Mary 
one who has labored much for you. Verse 12, greet Tryphania and Trophimus, Trophoso, Frosa, who labored in the, I don't know if these names are male or female, who labored in the Lord. And then he says, greet Persis, the beloved sister, one who has labored much in the Lord. Verse 13, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, as well as mine. Paul had a mother in the church. It was Rufus's mother. Do you know, let me tell you something about Rufus. You know, all this stuff is in the footnotes and in the references. The recovery version is just so awesome. Rufus was the son of Simon the Cyrenian, uh, Simon, maybe not the Cyrenian, the one who bore the Lord's cross. So his mother was the wife of, you know, the guy that they said, come, you have to, Jesus can't carry this, so they got somebody to carry it. And apparently he got saved, came into the church life. And Rufus, their son, and his mother are now ministering to Paul. Well, Brother Lee gave two messages in Anaheim a number of years ago. One's called the serving sisters in the church. And the other one's called the loving mothers in the church. I really encourage you to find those, get those, get into those. Very precious. All right. Roman 3. I don't know if I read this already. In carrying out this work, first, okay, now we're at, now we're at point one. Okay, we've come up to ground zero. Now, point number one. First, a number of sisters should rise up to lead the children's work. The elders should also appoint some sisters to take up this responsibility. It's not to say that brothers shouldn't be involved, but the sisters have the intrinsic feeling concerning the needs of the children. A, a number of older sisters must receive this burden. Over 90% of the children's work requires the sisters' participation. Otherwise, there is no way for the children's work to succeed. The sisters bring 90% of the value of the children's work to it. Sometimes the brothers are a little rough, a little strong, a little demanding. The sisters are finer. They have their mothers. They have mother feelings. They have mother ways. They bring in an atmosphere. The sisters in every church should be persistent to promote the burden for the children. On the one hand, they should not give the brothers any peace. (laughs) Just like the wives do not give their husbands any peace. On the other hand, they should learn not to assume the leadership, but to be full of patience, knowing when to proceed and when to wait. I want to read, you know, 
Brother Simpson has been reading a little bit, and there's a portion here I'd like to read to you because it's quite uh, clear. And Brother Lee speaks this much better than I. And I like this this word. The sisters need to be persistent. Persistent. That means you don't stop. You don't quit. You could, uh, this is not a good term. Nagging, you know, is not not a good expression to but persistent that's better persistent that means if the brothers say no you go back you pray again you fellowship some more then you come back again and then they say no then you go back you pray some more you fellowship some more and you're persistent you know why the children's work is not on their radar. It's not, if, you know, those kids, they go downstairs into the basement of the meeting hall or they go back into that back room, they disappear back into the inner recesses of our meeting halls and we don't see them. And because we don't see them, we don't hear them, we don't think about them. And when we don't think about them, we think out of sight, out of mind, (laughs) praise the Lord, you know, they're over there. And that poor sister, she went back there into that inner recesses of the meeting hall about 10 years ago. We haven't seen her since then. She hasn't been able to come out. But anyway, it's because of this that we have to be persistent. All right. And I like this utterance. This is on page 228 in the middle. My burden in this chapter is to kindle a fire within the sisters. The sisters in every church should be persistent to promote the burden for the children. On the one hand, they should not give the brothers any peace. And on the other hand, they should learn not to assume the leadership, but to be full of patience, knowing when to proceed and when to wait. The sisters should be persistent to develop the children's work in the church. Furthermore, according to the leading of the Lord, I'm sorry for the translators, they should fellowship with other sisters who are serving. As the sisters fellowship more and more, the burden for the children will increase more and more, and the number of sisters who are burdened will grow as well. Through fellowship, more and more people will be burdened for the children. Okay, so he's giving us the way. We start with some sisters who have a burden. And they begin to fellowship with some other sisters. And they pray. And they fellowship. You know, this is the way. And then you get into the ministry. Read some portions. Pray some more. Fellowship some more. There's a certain amount of heat being generated. Positive friction, not negative. And a fire starts. And so then you, you fellowship with more sisters. You bring more in. And you fellowship some more. The sisters know how many children there are. The sisters know how many rooms we need. The sisters know what the ages are. They know all these things. The brothers don't know. They don't even know the names of the children. The mothers, the sisters know the names. And so they, they, they're like this. And so they're behind the scenes. Functioning in a, in a hidden way, but in a very aggressive way. And in a persistent way. And then they come to the brothers. Um, 
The sisters should fellowship about the way to carry out the children's work. Okay, before you go to the brothers, don't just go and say, we need a children's meeting. We need a children's meeting. No, no, fellowship. How are we going to do it? Get into the details. Give the brothers a list of names, the ages, the levels, what lessons you'll use. All this could be fellowship. All this could be as a proposal, as a consideration. Let me start that paragraph again. The sisters should fellowship about the way to carry out the children's work. For example, they can determine how many sisters are available to be with the children, how many young sisters can teach the children, how many children can come and even bring other children to the meeting, and even how many cannot come. Once they have a general idea of the situation, general idea, the sisters should meet with the elders. There you go. And let them know the needs in the children's work. This will surely activate the work among the children. Although the sisters should not assume to lead or head up anything, they should be persistent so that the brothers who take the lead can promote this matter. All the sisters' service, including the children's work, should be done in this way. Okay, let me continue. The sisters who have a burden for the children should stand in the position of sisters with their heads absolutely covered. They should not take the lead or head up anything, but only actively promote things. They can speak to the elders so that the elders who do not have a burden will become burdened over time. You see that? Where did the elders get the burden? From the sisters with a burden. Over time. However, they should not depend on the elders for everything because the elders will not be able to consider all the details. The sisters do. In other words, sisters don't go just go to the brothers and say, okay, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Like that. No. You fellowship. Um. <clears throat> Instead, the sisters should pray over every matter, have a thorough fellowship among themselves, and then ask the elders to give the word to proceed. The sisters should not expect the elders to make all the arrangements or plan everything for them. The sisters can make the plans and arrangements, but before implementing anything, they should bring their plans and considerations to the elders and ask the elders to examine and approve them. If the elders do not approve of a certain aspect of the arrangement, it should be dropped. The sisters should not do anything that has not been approved by the elders. This kind of fellowship and coordination will result in the elders becoming more burdened for the children's work. Amen? Okay, let's keep reading. On the one hand, I think I'm on one. On the one hand, they should not give the brothers any peace. On the other hand, they should learn not to assume the leadership, but to be full of patience, knowing when to proceed and when to wait. Okay. Point two, the sisters should be persistent to develop the children's work in the church. Furthermore, according to the leading of the Lord, they should fellowship with other sisters who are serving. 
The sisters should also bring the children to the meeting. Every week, the sisters should consider how to bring the children to the meeting. I love this point. I just don't know why. I don't know why this point touches me so much. But it does. In the excerpts that we were reading, and I don't know how much of it actually got into the book. It's like Brotherly's having a conversation with a small group of sisters. And he's saying, sisters, why wouldn't you go get the kids? You know, you depend on the parents to bring the children to to your group, to your home, or to your children's meeting. Why wouldn't you go get them? Go get them. You know, ten, five, at least you could get five. Two of you, you could go get ten and bring them to the meeting. I think what touches me was the sisters then wrote, said back to him, brotherly, we don't have a car. He says, hire a taxi. In other words, brotherly's, you don't make any excuse to brotherly. You just, he doesn't see anything as an obstacle. Nothing's an obstacle. Okay. We got Uber in, in America, you know. You just get your app out and get an Uber, you know. But you go. Go get them. Do you know how many saints that have been in the church life and are not meeting any longer have children that they wish were in the children's meeting? For some reason, the parents stopped meeting, got discouraged, had a baby, lost a job, got offended, and they don't have the heart to meet. But they would love their children to be in the children's meeting. Go get them. Go get them. I often testified like this. I have... My two granddaughters in, in Irvine, even my three grandsons in Huntsville in Texas, if someone called them up the night before, Saturday night, said, you know, I'm going to pick you up for children's meeting tomorrow. Uh, you know, I'm going to come at your house at 930. Be sure you're ready. I know, you know, what would happen? They would wake up somewhere around the time of 530 or 6, waking up their mother because sister so-and-so is going to pick me up for children's meeting. And if they're going to bring a friend, you know, it's the spirit. It's the heart. Our children's meeting lacks a lot of these elements. It's just a school. It's like institutional. This begins to break through all of that so that there's a family feels like a family. I hope you can get some impression. Point D. We must use the young sisters to lead the children's meeting. The church should train the teachers so that the young sisters learn to teach and lead the children. You know, you have to teach the young sisters, young people. Later on in the outline, he talks about the high schoolers and the junior hires. Junior highs. Perfect junior hires to teach the children. Point E. Many of the sisters love the Lord. Actually, this is the point. Many of the sisters love the Lord, but they need to find a way to do something for the Lord. We don't know what to do. If we bear the little ones as fruit, the Lord will add them to our account. What a tender word. What a sweet word. Sisters, we bear these little ones as fruit. 
I don't know how to utter some of these things. You know, I know that the children that grow up in the church, they don't remember what we say. They don't remember our teachings. But they remember people. There are people they remember. There are people they could never forget. A teacher, a a serving one, children's meeting worker, one of those sisters. The Lord will add them to your account. They become your fruit, your fruit in the gospel. If we bear these little ones as fruit, the Lord will add them to our account. My. Only eternity will reveal the result of this. Perhaps out of a group of children for whom we are caring, some will become apostles. Out of the children's work, some were raised up to become so useful. And yeah, it wasn't all done in children's work, in the children's meeting, but they had their beginning there. It's like this. One man sows and another one reaps. Someone comes along behind you and does something more. Someone comes behind him, does something more. Something more. Eventually, it's the Lord who reaps. They became an apostle. They became so useful to the Lord. And you had a share in that. They're your fruit. Therefore, I encourage the sisters to do this good work. All the housewives can bring children to the meetings, and the younger sisters can be trained to cooperate with them to bear these little ones as fruit. You know, this tells us that this kind of children's work has eternal value. Only eternity will tell will reveal the result of this. It has eternal value. Okay. So we got the co-workers, elders, responsible ones, sisters. Now we need another category. The young people. Roman 4. We also need the help of the young people in the children's work. This matter must be developed. There are quite a large number of children in every locality. As soon as we begin the children's work, the young people will begin to function. They can all take part in serving the children. We can ask the brothers in the church to perfect the junior high and high school brothers and sisters to assist in teaching the children. With regard to the children's work, even though junior high and high school students can teach in the children's meetings, The children's work will be carried forward by the full-timers. Uh-huh. Because they will prepare teaching materials and make a schedule. I like that point in the outline because Brother Lee had the thought that we need full-timers to carry out this kind of work. To lead it. To carry it along. To advance it. Are there any full-timers in Europe serving children? Are there any full-timers in North America serving? I don't mean full campus full-timers serving in children's meeting. I don't mean that. I mean full-timers. It's hard to find. Maybe in the Far East there's some. I, I don't know. I heard in the Philippines, maybe in Malaysia there's some. I wondered about Europe. I wonder if we should 
I don't want to deactivate you think, well, the full-timers have to do it. Maybe it's better for me just to not talk about this for now. <laughs> talk to the brothers. <laughs> or you all go to sleep again. Okay. Point B, the young people need to give themselves to this work, and this will give everyone an opportunity to practice speaking. All right, then we come to five. We come to the next category, the elderly saints. So, oh, you think, my kids are all grown up. Elderly saints may use their homes. After the children get home from school, the elderly saints may open their homes and prepare some snacks to welcome them. This was something uh, Brother Simpson read last night. They may sing with the children, tell them stories, and lead them to know God. Gaining people in this way is very safe because they are taught by us and receive the gospel from us from their youth. Thus, they should be very solid. I hope that from now on, the elderly saints would pick up the burden and take the lead to do this in their homes. The effect will be very promising in the long run. All right, I think what we have to do is read this last point all together. Romans 6. When the entire church is mobilized in this way, all the brothers and sisters will have an opportunity to serve. Some can open their homes, others can bring the children to the meetings, and still others can teach the children. When all the saints endeavor in one accord for the Lord's heart's desire, the profit will be immeasurable. Judges 15, 16. 15b and 16b. Among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolutions in heart. And then among, or in the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Brother Lee described that great resolutions in heart is to make a decision. Not just a small decision, a great decision. And great searchings of heart is to make a plan, a great plan. So I like these verses at the end of this outline. Actually, I do have some practical fellowship that I would like to do, I give you. Actually, Daniel 11.32, the people who know their God will show strength and take action. In this section of the book, Brother Lee said, we need to take action immediately. But I'd like to say this. You can tell this morning, I'm not here with any excitement. I'm not here to stir up any kind of excitement because that will make it hard for us to go forward. This is not a movement. And you can't even say this is the up-to-date way. This is something that was opened up to us over 50 years ago. We're just a little behind. The practical point that I would like to impress is that if the Lord has touched your heart this week, through this line, this series of messages, this line of burden, that the children's work would be a, a factor for the increase of the church, that there would be, I don't expect 10,000 children in Europe, but there should be a good number added. We'd have a heart for this. We'd have a burden for this. We'd have preparation for this. It needs to start with a core. If some of us, some mothers, some husbands and wives, some couples would come together 
and just begin to pray and fellowship in your locality and read these ministry portions. Go over these outlines. Go over your notes. Look up the verses. Fellowship some more. Go back. Come again. And you say, okay, let's start. Let's start tomorrow. And they say, no, 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 let's don't start tomorrow. Let's come back and pray again tomorrow instead. And lay a base. Lay a solid base. Then this will not become any kind of a movement out of any kind of excitement. But I believe it will be something that the Lord could bless. And could bring in the Lord's blessing. This is the hardest part to break through. Last year we were on building up the children in their humanity. That's hard to break through on that too because we have a lot of concepts. But it's something easy to receive. We all amen it. No problem. This is harder. This is going to take a real labor, some real persistence. And so I just would like to uh, conclude this way. I pray, hope that in many places there will be groups of saints. And then in your country, maybe you could come together with the different cities and have more fellowship and prayer and begin to learn from each other and fellowship and know what, what each other is doing. And when we get together in, in Barlow, you could get some time. You fellowship some more. And let's see what, what the Lord could do. Let's see what the Lord will bring out. Um, okay. I uh, promised I'll put something on the board. I'm not sure how or when I'm going to do that. Maybe one of the brothers will do it. And, uh, but I hope it would be good for us to have some, some fellowship, some response. Uh, so I'd like to encourage many of you to come. And try not to be too long because then that limits the number we can have respond and also, from anything this whole week, uh, since this is our last opportunity, okay? So I'll stop here. How about we just pray again? Pray that the Lord would bless us.